recording. <laughs> it sounds like either an old man or a dried out SpongeBob. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I never need water. <laughs> I never did like a like a um, senile old man in D anD D. That would have been a fun character to play. Still the future. Uh, you heroes. You make you make everybody like say things over and over again. What's that, uh, <laughs> Mister Whiskers? Is he Jewish too? Speak up, Is he Bernie Sanders. <laughs> let me tell you the about gold. Medicare for all. <laughs> the gold. Ninety-five percent of the gold is in the hands of the top one percent. <laughs> <laughs> the gold we got we got to read the gold the magic item economy <laughs> i'll tell you what we're starting movement spoiler alert raul and dr gonzo don't get arrested that's a spoiler this one there's <laughs> well, not a whole yeah. lot it's hard to have spoilers when the movie doesn't have a plot yeah yeah welcome to syndication the only podcast that as your attorney advises you to take a hit out of that little brown flask in our shaving kit i like that <laughs> i like that drugs paranoia and drugs <laughs> <laughs> this episode we discuss the counterculture cult classic fear and loathing in las vegas i'm your host tyler young and i i have one person with me oh hey i'm with you and that's you i'm here in the room next to but me there's so right many next voices. To, you, to your left but we have two other people in the show that we have oh what's your name again oh uh i'm <laughs> i forget i forget i know i live with you we all forgot you, you look very familiar i see you most mornings well, it's been a while we haven't talked in like six months yeah this whole time okay. we've just been silently passing by each other in the, in the all of our oh, conversations okay. are on yeah. air Right, a hundred percent. Because you don't want to waste it, right? right. That's the Save thing. it for the pod. So we for were the pod. To, yeah, we work together, we live together, but we only discuss things on the show when we're recording. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so for for those who may have forgotten, uh, I'm Devin Ellis. Right. I thought your name was Duncan. Uh, no, Derek. No, these just are other Dwayne? people's names. Dallas. Dwight. None of these are Dwigged. <laughs> <laughs> Dwigged. Dwight Schrude. So we are joined by two other people who have, we have, Dev and I have socially distanced them from ourselves. Yeah, you've been distanced. Yeah, socially distanced by at least six feet, but you're a lot farther than that. Several multiples. You're like a couple towns over. Yeah. Uh, Who are you two? You can decide Uh, what order. You decide. You decide. You go first. You always go first because I have to choose your own adventure book. Oh right, that's going to be tough this week. Is it? I'm Matt Toby McGuire. What? (laughs) Your last name is Toby McGuire. (laughs) It's just one. You just smash it all together into one one word. Just like how they smash to be McGuire. Your on top of that poor Matt to be McGuire. To be McGuire. To be McGuire. <laughs> to be McGuire. It's Scottish. To me. To be yeah. McGuire or to not be to Maguire. be McGuire. <laughs> From your to be McGuire clan. Um, and I am his wife, Jackie. To be McGuire, Officer Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> Is that also smashed together? Can I have a little kiss? Ah, uh, the lovely Slowly to be McGuire's. <laughs> it's been a while since we're, we hung out. We're we're a power couple. Good. <laughs> Yeah, I missed this. So yeah, we're talking about we're talking about fear and loathing in Las Vegas uh, because Devin picked it. Uh, I did forever ago. Uh, you know what? We should before we get into anything about this week's movie, let's talk about the circumstances we're in and why we we're Ooh. all socially distanced. Oh right, we didn't give any context for that statement. So whenever you're listening to this, whenever we put this out, um, something has been happening uh, around the world that you may have heard about. Uh, Possibly, this, yeah. This this kind of like global pandemic thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, coronavirus kind of thing. We decided what a lovely opportunity to come back out of our um, unplanned hiatus to, to do another show. Yeah. I got we, nothing better going on. We skipped we our retro spectacular that we've been talking up for a while because yeah. of, you know, reasons. Undue expectations. <laughs> yeah. Just stuff happens. Who knows? Sure. We'll never really know. We yeah. don't have to <laughs> get to the bottom of Well, let's see. Yeah, we don't have Devin, to take it apart. We yeah. weren't recording, so there was no like sound engineering to do. That's right. your job, right? Yeah, that's right. correct. I think there was and some uh-huh. editing. We released all of the episodes 
within a couple days of my receiving them. So that's my job. Right. That's, right. that's job? true. Your job is to, you're like the, the model. You're like the spokeswoman. The sexist and heteronormative. You just need to I, show listen, up. Listen, I don't make the world. You're the spokesperson. Yeah. Spokesperson. <laughs> yeah. You're the non-binary spokeshuman. <laughs> that's better, right? It will not be a second class citizen. <laughs> Second class person. There we go. <laughs> As opposed to citizen, I guess. Yeah, well, it's more because citizen ends with en, and so does men. So, oh yeah, more like citizen women. women. Am I right? No, you're not yeah. right. She's high fiving me. You guys just can't see it. I'm not. I believe you, Matt. It's one of those silent high fives. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, she's like she's trying to talk a big game into the microphone, but yeah. She's pretty pleased with how great I am for the female cause. Yeah. She is You're a man, so I trust your input here. Right, yeah. I just <laughs> I, feel I comfortable. More trustworthy. I just, I don't know, there's something about your voice and how it's deeper. It's soothing. You know? Yeah, it's, I just trust it more. Yeah. Like, a, like a Tom Makes Brokaw. Makes think of authority. You know? yeah. yeah. Like a, like a pilot, you know? Yeah. Or a, a man scientist. <laughs> or a scientist, right. Or um, what's a the president? Or a mathematician? God. That one's low. <laughs> that one's low. <laughs> that one's not nice. So we put off our retro spectacular that we talked about a whole bunch. We'll probably, most likely, do it for episode fifty instead. We decided, hey, why don't we? Since we're all just holed up in our houses, just waiting for the apocalypse to just kind of happen, uh, why don't we do a couple episodes, watch some movies, and talk about them? Right? Yeah, that's what we do here. Yeah, yeah, that's the business. So, Devin, you've had this one locked and loaded Wait, for months. So this was the, this was the first <laughs> time. On. What are you saying that social distancing brought us together? <gasps> In a way, what? it did. I need to go vomit. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> So this was the first time I actually had a movie like in the bank, ready to go at the end of our 24th episode. <laughs> For the first time, maybe ever. Actually, no, it was the one before that. The 23rd is when I had this ready because then we did uh, uh, Jackie's pick, right? Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. Casablanca. 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 Uh, and then it got postponed for like six months. For just, you know. We don't have to. It's it happened. Undefined. Going on. Yeah, it just, just happened. Like, whatever. We weren't waiting on any particular individual. Apparently, Jackie was just telling us that she got back from Europe by the skin of her teeth, right? <gasps> just like out of Casablanca. <gasps> exactly. She was on the last plane out of Casablanca. I mean, it's not untrue. I was definitely on the last plane out of Berlin Tegel. That's uh, and then. Our president just shut everything down. Yeah. Somebody sneezed on the plane I was on from, it was like Paris to Boston, and like people got up and moved. Really? Absolute chaos on the plane. I believe it. Wait, aren't sneezes not really part of the whole thing? It's like mostly dry coughing and. I don't know, man. Diarrhea is not part of it either, but good luck finding any toilet paper. God. (laughs) That's what I don't get that one. Yeah, that's actually a problem. I was at Trader Joe's just the other day, and they're still sold out. Are they still sold out? Yeah. You know, it's such a problem that I heard that they're letting the employees shop first so that they can, like, go home <laughs> with something. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Did they you ha- guys ever find any? Because you, like, ran out right when this all started, right? Tyler snagged some, and then I got uh, some extra just in case. Uh, did you? Yeah, I, I did. I have it stored in my room. It? <laughs> oh, you're hoarding it. I am. So I am hoarding it. He's got uh, a private supply he's not willing to share did with you. Did you steal Tyler. it from work? Where one pack of it? six. You have a private. I reserve. bought it. It was like one of the last rolls or one of the last packages uh, before God. they sold out. Yeah, and I was like, maybe I should just take this just in case. I didn't really think it was going to be an issue, but the fact that they've been sold out for a week since then. Glad yeah, I no, glad I picked right it call. up. I'm glad you told me now. Yeah, glad I know that you have it somewhere. I also got it because I knew you would get the worst possible toilet paper, like you always do. <laughs> nope, I got yeah, the most Tyler, efficient kind. Uh, Tyler likes single ply. He likes what? one he ply toilet. What's wrong with you? That's all you need. Just one single ply. It's not. But on top of that, forever. He also uses the wet naps. So he's okay, all so over I, the. He's no, all no, over no, the board. I, I, do, I mean, the wet I naps far superior. I never think to buy them, but I should because they are far superior. 
Because who just wants to wipe paper in their butthole? You need some kind of. You're not cleaning <laughs> you anything. Like really ensure that it's a that's a clean surface. You need like, to really do that. Right, because then you wash your hands with soap and water. But it's not like you wouldn't just wipe right. paper on your hands and go like, oh well, that got all the shit off my hands. <laughs> Time to walk around <laughs> for the rest exactly of the day right. like this. That's exactly right. <laughs> I know you're not like touching things with your butthole, but still, <laughs> you're walking around. I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> touching things with your... It is so difficult to do. It's the highlight of my day. All the stuff I touch with my butthole. Oh, no. In his home office. In my home office. Yeah, working from home. Everything's got butt on it. I think just my chairs and my bed have shit. Oh, my underwear. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> hey, Devin, why'd you pick Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Oh. I, I picked this movie because uh, <laughs> Stop talking you, about buttholes. You you guessed it. I haven't seen it before. That's true. Whoa, that was, that so that you it, it meets the criteria of mm-hmm. being on the show. That's true. I don't know if it's exactly seminal, but I've I've heard a lot about this. Well, I haven't heard a lot about this movie. I've heard that about this movie existing a lot by people who like it. So you had friends, yes, uh, who all said this is the best movie ever. Uh, well, they didn't say it was the best movie in ever. In the entire world. They more just said it, it was a movie. That, that I've was never good. seen a better movie ever <laughs> I in don't, my entire life. I don't. That's not what they said exactly, but it, it had the same feeling. Once you see this Direct movie, quote. all other movies will be shit in, by comparison, is what they said. No, they'll I be vomit right? by comparison because I've seen this movie a lot. There is a to lot of fair, vomit. There is I, a lot of vomit. I, do, I think the novel is considered seminal. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about the movie, um, but definitely the novel is considered, you know, like a part of yeah, literary who's, history. Who's got time for, for reading? <laughs> who's got the time? You know, just watch watch the film. It's the same thing. I think this is it, one of those cult classics that, like... Does, like the, does the book have Johnny Depp in it? That's my question. No, it has Hunter S. Thompson in it. Dummy. Yikes. White boy. That's the odd. So, do you know anything Don't about like, the backstory of this? Stupid. <laughs> what, Devin? Do you know, what? What do you? What did you know about this movie before we watched? Before you watched it, I knew the "We can't stop here." This is backcountry quote. Okay. And I knew that had to do with drugs. Okay. Did you know Johnny Depp was in it? Yes. And Benicio de Toro. No. Did you know? Did you know that about he had Hunter shaved his head? What? Did you know that Johnny Depp had shaved his head? No. I did not know that. That was a shocker. So he took his hat off in the casino, what? and you're like, "What?" I did. Didn't you see my? B- fell out of my chair. I didn't see it. I was too <laughs> enraptured by the movie to notice or hear you. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, he's bald." <laughs> Whoa! What? Crazy. Did you know about Hunter S. Thompson and the book and him being a journalist? And I knew it was a book. I didn't know anything about it though. Okay. So you didn't know that the author of the book is the actual character. It's like a semi-true story. I did not know that. Yeah. This is the first time I'm hearing about that, actually. Yeah. Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Hunter S. Thompson is the character that... Is Duke? Yeah. Okay. Raul Duke is a pseudonym he came up with for himself in the story. Do you remember the part uh, when he's trying to like escape from the first hotel after he racked up all that all the bills, he's yeah. just trying to get the hell away. Yeah, and the the one of the guys you know from the hotel is like, "Hey, you got a, a letter uh, from or or to Hunter S. Thompson from you. It's really strange. I want to talk to you about it." He's like, "Oh yeah, that's a friend of mine. I know him. It's all backwards. Hunter S. Thompson. That's himself." Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I did, I did not pick up on that. And his attorney, Dr. Gonzo, is a real dude, uh, Oscar Acosta. Who Interesting. Was his, I think, not. Even, I don't know if it was really his attorney or not, or just his buddy. But he keeps saying, as your attorney, I advise you to <laughs> X. I mean, he, he was an attorney, so yeah. I assume in that life, he probably gave free attorney advice. Legal advice? That's true. No. Attorney advice. Okay, just checking. Yeah, much like, of the advice that he offers has nothing to do with the legal system. It's just good attorney advice. <laughs> yeah, like oh. for instance, uh, as your attorney advise you to take a hit of the little brown bottle in my shaving kit. You won't need much, just a tiny taste. Or as your attorney, I advise you to rent a very fast car with no top. Or as your attorney, I advise you to drive at top speed. 
what was that drug called again? Adrenochrome. So apparently that was made up. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I remember I looked that up because I was like, is that real? That's got to be like something that was just uh, fictional. Um, and it was. Uh, supposedly it's modeled after DMT, but who knows how factual that is. That's just from what is people DMT? on the internet. DMT. Oh, DMT. What is DMT? It's another, I forget what it stands for. Really strong psychedelic. Like a psychedelic it's like dimethyltryptamine or something like that. It's the thing right, cool. that in, like, you have in your brain that doesn't get released until you die, right? Like right before you die. Yeah, something like that. Maybe a little bit during dreams or something as well. Yeah, it's a weird one. So it's like adrenochrome is kind of like that, but it's fake. It's like a fictionalized version of it where it like comes from the adrenal gland. Right. Instead of mm. where the hell DMT comes from. Apparently is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of this story is fictionalized too. Like it's it was mostly just a book written about like this kind of uh, is it Reagan era uh, America and how it's kind of jaded and what they say seventy one. Yeah. That'd be pre Reagan. Right, because he was nineteen eighty. Nixon. Nixon was on right. TV. Yeah. Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. <clears throat> the other white Republican. That's the one. Yeah. Lincoln, right? That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. President Lincoln. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I, like like Matt was saying, I think this movie works much better as a as a book. Yeah. So I'll I'll be honest, I like barely followed the plot of this. So like watching intently, it was it was a ride. Let, let, let me do the synopsis real quick. You ready? Go go for it. <laughs> I'm really interested to see how you're going to do this. <laughs> this is a quick one. It's a journalist and his attorney. Uh, the journalist gets a job from Rolling Stone to cover a the Mint 400 motorcycle race out in Las Vegas. He goes with his attorney slash friends. They do a ton of drugs on the way there. And while they're there and while he's uh, covering it, and then they just hang out for a while, getting real <laughs> fucked up and destroying the town. Uh, and then uh, he gets another job to cover this, um, like drug. Yeah, it was lecture. like a DA conference or something. Yeah, yeah, like with a bunch of uh, state troopers. And then uh, he does more drugs, and mm-hmm. so much so while he's do. at the conference. Yeah, while at the conference, and then afterwards, and then they he they go in this crazy bender where they do, the movie kind of does like a mini, um, hangover where like he doesn't remember what happened the past few days and starts listening to a tape recorder to figure out what he did, uh, and then his attorney leaves and then he drives off in the sunset. That's kind of it. It was mostly just like hanging out and getting fucked up. Ta-da! Yeah. I I personally like. I watched this movie a bunch when I was like an angsty teen and yeah. loved it. I don't know how I feel about it right now. I feel weird about it. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. It's not a great movie. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. <laughs> yeah. Matt, didn't you absolutely say you loved this it. movie? Uh, Yeah, it did not hold up. I mean, I said that in like, a, oh, I love that movie. Not like. I love it's, that movie. It's the right. same yeah. statement. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know um, what's the difference between... <laughs> oh, I love that movie. And I love that movie. <laughs> it's a huge difference. <laughs> when it, when I say I love that movie in that way, I just meant like... I oh, recognize yeah, yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. It that is movie, fine. It's fun. And it actually wasn't as much fun as I remembered it being. It was, it was challenging to it was, watch at certain points. So I oh, also... Yeah. I, ha- I haven't actually asked you about this because I wanted to save it for the pod, but I have a sneaking suspicion that you've never seen a Terry Gilliam movie before. What else has he done? 12 Monkeys. We saw that. Yeah, we never watched the movie, did we? I thought I made you watch it. Uh, Yeah, you're right. You did. Is 12 (laughs) Monkeys the one where Brad Pitt, like, loses his mind? Yes. And Bruce Willis Mm. pulls his teeth out? Yeah. Well, one of them. I'm sensing a a through line with this director and actors losing their minds. What's the other... It's like Time... Time time Bandits. Cops. Time Bandits. Yeah, it's a great Uh, one. Oh, that sounds fun. I love that movie. Anything with time There's, in it. He oh does it's weird, really cool. He does weird black humor. Um, he's from Monty Python. Like, he's from Monty Python. He's like the only American member of Monty Python, right? Yep, and he's the animator that did all the crazy like oh, like foot stomp 
like you know intro stuff. Yeah, yeah, those are great. He directed Holy Grail. That was his first movie. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, but he also does like he's just like all of his films are like kind of gross. They all have like a gross out effect. So she really reacted like the movie lost her when he started vomiting. No, it was the tub. It was the tub scene. Yeah, it was the same. He was vomiting in the tub. Is that why it was when he was horrible color freaking out when the in the suit with no pants on and it's like (laughs) yeah. When yeah. the, when the right mean, white rabbit bites its own head <laughs> off, I want you to throw was, that right in the tub with it's me. It's so gross that only when, like, you have to get through, like, multiple layers of filth to understand that he's <laughs> trying to commit suicide. And you're like, oh, holy shit. And then there's, like, this existential filth on top of it. And you're like, I can't. I can't. I can't out with this. Yeah, the it's, movie it's is It's oversaturated. <laughs> it is so bloated and filthy and, like pink it's so pink <laughs> but pink. but here's the thing and and we talked about this a little bit last night is that j- using the words you just described i think hunter s thompson would say yes i was holding up a mirror to modern american life and you know I it's was, bloated and it's gross and it's pink but then especially here's, here's in las the vegas side. i was, like I was thinking that. about this after we talked about that last night and there was the scene where they were in the car they were racing down like the like the main drag of vegas and there was this like car that pulls up next to them with like some fancy ass people like the old people (laughs) and it's two different sides of the same coin they're just like fucked up on drugs and and living in their own kind of excess and filth and the rich people are like disgusting and prejudiced and you know not even acknowledging these other people because they're quote-unquote you know trash could he um, managed to also throw really up screaming and puke all straight on the side of the car. <laughs> he so. managed to throw yeah. up on the neighboring car while they were driving. <laughs> hey, honkies, you want to buy some smack? <laughs> side by side. And that stuck with me a bit because both were headed towards, you know, Vegas. Like the symbol is like, you know. The American dream, fool's, man. Yeah, the, it's like American fool's gold of a city. and Yeah. You know, I I that I I get that, and I think that's a really good point. But like, it is just like really oversaturating in terms of the amount of human and excrement and vomit. It was just a lot. But I think yeah. I think that's intentional, right? Like, no, of course it is. Yes, of course. it's a feature, not a bug. Ugh. <laughs> I, I and mean, your like, mileage ten, may vary. Ten percent less have really. Hmm? Would ten percent ten percent less like human fluid been too much to? <laughs> I thought the amount of human fluid was just the right amount. I didn't really have oh a problem God. with that. Devin was just really satisfied with the fluids. That was the high point for him of this film. I... Yeah, it was all right. I didn't mind it. Okay. Story, meh. But amount of fluids in yeah, this movie. Yeah, that's really what makes or breaks a good film. Yeah. Right on, man. <laughs> yeah, brother. There was just... It was just chaotic. Like, nothing... Yeah. There was so few through lines other than they're just constantly getting fucked up and random shit is happening. It's a lot of coke lines. Oh. Bing! Bang, boom, bong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's very little to, like, hold on to in that movie and to, like, grasp. Yeah. I asked you a couple times. I'm like, wait a minute. What what the hell is happening right now? (laughs) I'm like, well, he's... Covering a story. That's kind like, of it. And then just getting fucked up along the way. Yeah, I didn't even, like, I totally somehow missed why they were even in Vegas because it was such a passing statement of, like, hey, we're going to Vegas for this thing. It was like two lines and then they're just there and picking up Toby Maguire on the side of the road. Well, it was like, well, because like, they're telling Toby Maguire a totally different story. They're just like, yeah, we're here to, like, kill this guy who, right. like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> He's like this, this like drug baron or whatever that we've we've come to like fuck over. But then they go and like tell the story of how like they were at the Pink Flamingo, and they got a he got a phone call mm-hmm. and it was from the Rolling Stone. But yeah, and then his attorney's was like, it? we need no, supplies. Yeah, they, weren't, and, they weren't at the Pink Flamingo. They were still in L.A. They were at some restaurant in L.A. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh right, the Pink Flamingo was the first hotel they go to, right? Second, I think the that's second, the second one. one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. First one they go to is. For me, every other, not to bring up the acting, but it's always what I pay attention to the most, but the small, there were no small actors in this, every small role, every (laughs) supporting role, like really was such a home run. Like they were all so, even Cameron Diaz, who was a shitty actor, kind of did a great job. Ooh, she's pretty shitty, but she did a really good job in this, in this, I mean, I thought she, I mean, 
But any scene that Benicio del Toro was in was just like he he was an animal <laughs> and I really enjoyed his performance very much. He was so I I had such a yeah. fun time watching this movie, even though it really like I don't think it's a great mm. movie per se. How do you mean? Like to it, it it's it's hard to do that story, that book, because the book is really just like this kind of like angry, scathing, just like free form thought mm. process that Hunter kind of did and like half of it's made up and embellished and whatever. But like yeah, it's it's still fun to watch it anyway, mostly because of the performances too, like that. Like yeah, Benicio del Toro committed. is every scene he's in, he's just yeah, super committed and over the top and he's just larger than life. And I mean I found really scary. the scenes with yeah. him and Johnny Depp together, I found Johnny Depp like was I, I felt him trying in a way. Like I enjoyed, I think the scene for me that Johnny Depp really, for me, was acting and not showing was when they um, took all the ether and went to the, like, what was it, the Bonanza Carnival or something like this? And his physical movements, yeah. Yeah, oh, the the circus, circus. And his movements were just so perfect. But in every other scene that he was in with Benicio Del Toro, I just disliked Johnny Depp's acting in comparison. Benicio, like, he just stole the show for me. In terms of like authenticity, like apparently I was reading this uh, like interview with Terry Gilliam. He was saying that like Benicio del Toro, like Doctor Gonza was supposed to be funnier in the script, but the way that Del Toro was playing oh. him was a lot more like threatening the scene and with the scary. Waitress, like, you know, at the end was upsetting. oh, that was really Ooh. it was a really dark scene. It was, that movie got yeah. darker and darker as it went on. Oh yeah, I was not prepared for and they, at all, and they acknowledge it too, like. Hunter Thompson was like, yeah, things are getting a little like it's like he said, like something bad happened. And then he'd like remember that scene like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, the movie's actually a little bit darker than I remember, mm. too, as a kid. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see it coming. Like the whole all the stuff with the waitress at the end, the whole storyline mm. with Lucy and. Yeah. Christina Ricci's uh, part in that was. It was, was weird too. It was weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> but they acknowledge it too. He was saying, like, we need to get the fuck out of here because you're gonna go to prison if she remembers any of this shit. You know? Yeah, so they just like put her in a car with a random dude and yeah. they're like, All right, make sure she gets home safe or whatever. And then she calls back and then Dr. Gonzo like makes up this like fake Oh my god, like, that yeah. whole performance was great though. That was super weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh, it was it was a lot. And I feel like it might, like, might have supposed to have been. I guess uh, it it felt mesmerizing more than anything. It was just like, it was like a uh, just like a, a drug trip. You know, you're just kind of like watching everything happen. Like, what the fuck is going on? I have no clue. Yeah, Jack, Jackie at yeah, one point like I, was like, I don't understand. I don't like either of these characters. They're like rude to service people and bad to women. And I was like, Yeah, you're. They're not. And racist. And racist. Uh, they're not they're not likable they're not yeah. meant to be in fact they're i think they're written to be intentionally unlikable um which i think can be difficult for like a casual viewing experience but i think it's pretty effective at what it is right like you're just with them on this like you know self-immolation tour mm. <laughs> yeah yeah. It's, I mean, I read this. I read this article Just, a while ago, written by David Foster Wallace. Of uh, he was paid by the Rolling Stone to cover an adult uh, film, like award ceremony or something like this, like one of the big ones or whatever. And yeah. I don't remember the title, but he was so much an observer and kind of his experience of it sort of elevated it. And I don't, I don't know the particulars of Gonzo journalism, so maybe one of you can tell me. But I don't think that Hunter S. Thompson's goal in this whole gonzo journalism uh, like trajectory was to illuminate or elevate anything. I don't, I don't know what the purpose is. Is the purpose like my experience of whatever I'm supposed to be covering or reporting on is the story itself? Like what, what is it? What is the point of gonzo journalism? Well, it's that it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, stream of consciousness type of style of like putting yourself in the story and writing about it and embellishing things and trying to kind of like yeah get more of like your point across than just being like a 
factually reporting on events because like this book in particular like rolling stone didn't accept his his story about the mint 400 because he didn't really do one so this book was really just like a just like a scathing indictment about like the american dream and how it's been perverted and you know the road that we were going that we were going on in 1971 and less about really anything as a concrete story it was just kind of this like you know what you know what's fucked up there's <laughs> just like this angry kind of screed and that's yeah, all it I really mean, was it was supposed to be kind of funny and kind of gross and it was supposed to be you know over the top and excessive guns is just guns is just like countercultural right it's like every everything yeah. about traditional journalism it turns on its head so you're supposed to be unbiased and you're not supposed to be in the story so he places himself a very biased and <laughs> Um, opinionated narrator right at the yeah. center um, and you're supposed to you know just give the most salient facts and so he just overwhelms you with this you know like uh, flood of details some extraneous some relevant to what end I don't know that there is an end I think uh, it was sort of that countercultural um anarchist uh, impulse that was going around in society at the time it was just manifest in journalism as gonzo mm. and like they they have that kind of moment in the story too where he sits and reflects after like the first night about the 60s and how there was like some meaning mm. to it and there was a big push and you can kind of feel it with the with America's youth and all the protesting and the civil rights movement and everything like that how that comes up a couple of times actually yeah and how that's faded and now we were in a more fake kind of like okay we're past all that now everything's better but it wasn't you know for me that was actually the most coherent part of the film as far as like understanding the any sort of message that was trying to come across from just the chaos of events that ensue throughout. And, and I, it sounds right. like Tyler and I are both sort of in agreement that I think the book does a better job of that than the movie. Um, Have you read right. the book, Tyler? I did, yeah. Hmm. I mean, a long time ago, but yeah. Fun fact. Because the whole book, like those salient moments you're talking about, that's kind of the entire book is that. And then like he kind of dips back into the story here and there. But the the through line of those two characters going through Las Vegas is really secondary to just it's a it's like a long opinion article yeah you know piece that that Hunter wrote but no you know no magazine wanted it for anything so it just you know published it it, it sort of book. reminds me like hmm. at least in, in in opera you know I get really frustrated with some directors because they'll direct from a feeling like I want the scene to feel like this and I sort of always think to myself was well, a character in the scene what am I doing and it feels to it. It seems to me that Hunter S. Thompson's like style was, you know, this is how it felt to be in this situation. And like, I I understand that way of storytelling, yeah. but it kind of kind of flies in the face against how I'm used to um, digesting story, I guess, and understanding and 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 analyzing and piecing it together to make sense for myself. So if you tell me what it's supposed to feel like. It sort of as an audience member, I'm unaccustomed to taking that on. Like usually I think through the process of storytelling, I come to a feeling, but to just offer me something, you know, this is how it felt. I don't really know quite what to do with that as an audience member. It's 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 quite different from I think what the traditional method of storytelling is in film or live theater. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just a different type of story, right? It's more allegorical, more myth myth oriented. So like um I don't know, like uh, 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 Noah in the Bible mm. is not a fully fleshed out character, right? It's a story with sort of a cut out character at the center of it. Noah was real. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Like, He's a real 600 duh. year old man they're, who they're built a gigantic boat made out of wood that fit every Two of every single animal. animal. Don't get it twisted, Tyler. There are, there are That's stories true. where all the freshwater fish she had on there too. <laughs> there are stories <laughs> where um, like <laughs> deep character study are an important part of the way that they're sort of telling the story. I think yeah. those are the more realistic, um, you know, portraitures. Uh, and then there are cartoons, right? There's mm. this live action filmed cartoon uh, with lizard people, drug 
fevers and um, bats and Toby Maguire. You know, this was almost <laughs> a uh, animated film before it uh, was actually like filmed live action. Um, I, I could see that. There's an animator who was like friends with Hunter S. Thompson, but apparently Hunter uh, released, he, he gave the rights to Fear and Loathing to his girlfriend at the time. What? Yeah, just like, here you go. Okay. And so, so this guy who wanted to animate it, and he's like, "Look, this movie won't really work as a, as a live action film. It's too cartoony. We should make it an actual cartoon, and it'll look like in the original book. There's a lot of illustration in there from um, Ralph Steadman. He's like a long time collaborator with uh, with Hunter S. Thompson. It's like really like inky, splotchy kind of art. Uh, and he's like, "Why don't we do a movie in the style of Ralph Steadman's art, and it'll be." animated which i think would work better hmm. um that being said i still love this but but the the girlfriend's like no i'm gonna <laughs> i don't know that's gonna work and hunter's like well you heard lady i don't know what are you, what are you gonna do about it <laughs> uh and uh so she she went on and and i don't know how she met johnny depp or maybe he contacted her or something but basically like he was the first one to be like yeah let's do a movie like a live action movie and then they tried to find uh, directors apparently um martin scorsese and oliver stone tried to do mm. a movie first and they failed uh <laughs> they failed yeah well it just didn't work out i i don't know the details if you huh. know they just walked away or just honestly know, terry gilliam was the only one that could do justice to like the hunter s thompson mental space i think so yeah i don't i don't really have any problem with the execution of the film um, I thought it was this. <laughs> sorry, uh, I thought this. The story was a little strange, um, but I didn't really have a problem with the execution of the film and and just how it was shot and and ha- how it uh, progressed. It was just weird. I just don't really know yeah, what to make of it. Do I? I still enjoyed it, not as much as I think as it. Do, do I, you guys want to get in ratings? Then Sound, it feels like sure. we're in that territory. Yeah. Sure. Oh, by the way, did you know the? Oh, yeah, we already talked about. God, that Boy, wig right? was stringy. the worst thing yeah, I've ever sweaty. seen in a movie. You think it was that a wig? Was so bizarre. There were so many weird cameos in this that I wasn't expecting. Christopher uh, Melanie uh, as the uh, as the bellhop was amazing. And uh, Penn Jillette just showed up all of a sudden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! In the circus, circus. Yeah. Who was the cop? <laughs> uh, random people. God, oh, Gary Busey. That was one of my favorite scenes. I really. That was so. It was weird. so. That yeah. was your favorite favorites. scene. I was like, "What it the hell is happening? Really what is this interaction?" I really it doesn't really go that, anywhere that either. Really made me laugh. That scene <laughs> doesn't go anywhere. I'm like, "Is this real? Is he? Is this hallucination? I don't understand what's happening. There's so no weird. way this would happen. It probably didn't it's like, happen." Here's no. what makes me angry. Like with Tobey Maguire, with you know, I, I don't know, and and like some of the the wig choices. Like I don't think that the way they did Cameron Diaz's hair was particularly like true to the period so like there are a couple of inconsistencies toby mcguire's wig was terrible but johnny depp was a dead ringer for hunter s thompson dead ringer down to the fucking skinny legs with yeah. the saw it was great that was they nailed it but everything else was terrible yeah if you ever seen the pictures of hunter s thompson from his from nailed his 30s it. or 40 you know early 40s whatever God. he looks just like that yeah. even like i I'm, I'm like the way that i found the way that johnny depp like his physicality was so he was just trying so hard and i didn't really believe it but then when i saw the photo i was like maybe that's how he walked i don't know maybe he just looked like kind of like a fucking spider <laughs> i mean i'm looking at one image of him right now and he has the I same mean, maybe stance that's how he walked. i don't know i just thought <laughs> it does kind of look like the yeah, he's doing the bow-legged it <laughs> looked so like i am acting look at me acting this is me acting yeah. <laughs> acting yeah so what did you, Jackie? We'll start with you. What do, what do you rate? Uh, the I'm gonna movie? give a solid four. Four out of Higher ten. Higher than I thought. Didn't like it very much. Four. Leave it, she says. I mean, it's. I really. I should give it a five. Leave it behind because you should see it. It's a seminal film. It's in the Criterion Collection, which I didn't know. Is they it? Do be so, in is the it really? Criterion Collection. Is it seminal? Um, and I, wow. I, I understand the meaning behind it. Know. A good film tells a story. This definitely 
by the end tells some sort of story. There's some great acting in it, but it just takes a fucking long time to get to the point. So. But I think I gave yeah. Casablanca an eight, which I now regret. So, you know, <laughs> they both get fives. You know what? Five. I'm going to give it a five. I'll bump it up a point. Five's all, fives all around. Uh, Matt, what do you what do you what do you give? It? Uh, I give it a I'll give it a five. If you're not going to read the book, I would give it a four or five. If you are going to read the book, what's a four or five? A four point five. Okay. Just, I thought you were trying to give it a four wait, and so five simultaneously. If you have if, read if, it, I'm, it's a lower are, score. Well, if no, if you had if you have read the book. <laughs> I'm saying like I think the story is interesting, right? So the story it, uh-huh. it is mm-hmm. better if you've read the book. Um but I would say it's more necessary to watch it if you're never going to read the book so that at least you experience the story. Um So, yeah, I don't know. I guess you made me second guess everything. Five. I'm getting it a five. <laughs> it's a solid answer. Five's all, Five's all around. Two fives. Five and a five. Uh, I'm I'm gonna rate it. You picked it, so I'm, I'm gonna make you go last. Yeah, I was gonna have you go next. So. I, don't, I don't know if that's what we always do, but that's what's that's happening. what we're doing now. I give it a six point five. Explain yourself. Whoa. Uh, mostly <sighs> nostalgia, but uh, also fun fact. If you didn't know, I have a tattoo from this Shut book up, slash really? movie. <laughs> the only tattoo I have. Yep. Gonzo oh, on my arm. Right. Oh. It's from this. FYI. <laughs> oh. Yep. I can't believe I didn't make that connection. Fun yep. fact, yep. the first Here, book Devin's Matthew, or the first gift Matthew, Matthew ever gave me What's the symbol have to do with it? There's supposed to be a peyote button in here, but this is a cover-up tattoo, so it's not, <laughs> you can't see it. So it's just a fist? This is the symbol he came up with for Gonzo journalism. Oh. It's this this symbol. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I still the performances are great. I I still love the the music that they use, the lighting, the weird camera effects. The the scenes are really funny. Like there there are moments that genuinely still make me laugh, and you know I remember it fondly. And um, I like the. I don't know, just the the over the top, really like <laughs> aggressive biting style that uh, you know the language that Hunter uses and and the the tone that the movie keeps. Uh, it it's it's quote unquote fun. Like I I enjoyed it. I, it's a really interesting, mesmerizing kind of movie. It's uh, excruciatingly funny yeah. according to the cover. But it's also I I don't like it obviously as much as I used to because you know I think. 6.5 isn't the highest um it and that's mostly like i give it extra points for nostalgia because it's not really it's really meandering doesn't really there's no plot to speak of too much it doesn't work as as well as the book does yeah it's kind of stuff happens yeah like it was a fun try you know like it, it was a good good effort on terry gilliam's part it was the best i think live action adaptation you could ask for for that book but i don't think the book's really Built for that. Hmm. Yeah. Devin. Yeah. Uh so I mean this is this feels really difficult to rate for some reason. I don't really know what to make of it. <laughs> it was just so it was just such a weird and yet yeah. also disagree. Uh, do you do you, you not have anything. strong feelings I feel about it. this film? <laughs> no, I feel stop it. <laughs> I, I feel like I was blindsided by it more than you guys. Uh, I feel like you guys have more coherent opinions about it than than I do. Um, I just it was it was just bizarre to watch. I didn't really know what to make of it while I was watching it. Like there were definitely parts that were funny. There were definitely parts that were way way darker than I was expecting, mm. and felt like uncomfortable, which is rare for me. I usually am fine with that sort of stuff, but it's definitely not a feel good movie. Um, yeah. And so like, I kind of walked away from it feeling like I just went through a fever dream of a film, which is kind of what it was like. And I feel like if that is what it was intended to be, they did a good job. Um, I did like all the visual effects. I thought it was, it was, uh, filmed really cool. I liked how 
everything was really over the top and really stylized. I, I really enjoyed the whole vibe of it. Um, it just wasn't coherent by any means, which maybe it wasn't supposed to if it's about a drug-induced trip to Las Vegas. Um, I, I'd feel comfortable giving it a solid six. Hmm. It was fun, uh, mostly. It was weird. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd watch it. I'm glad I saw it. I'd watch it again, probably, just because I feel like I missed a, a little bunch. More. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of want to get a better grip of what the hell was going on. I would watch it again. I, actually, I know that I would not. I would not. I know this now. Now when I was like, I'm not sure if I would, I would not. <laughs> Matthew, would you watch it again? Tyler, would you watch it again? I mean, I think we both did watch it again. Okay, just can you... This is like my fifth time or sixth time. I haven't seen it. I think I just saw it once or twice before this. Okay. I'd never seen it before. I've, I, I'd i watch it once more, I think. Yeah. I'd I, see it again. I mean, sure. I wouldn't yeah, watch it again like for it. the next year or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those yeah. ones that like every yeah handful of years, if somebody suggests it or if you come across it, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I could do that again. But I think parents should be showing this to their no, kids who are, you know, they're like their teens who are like interested in dabbling in drugs because this will make drugs look completely undesirable and unappealing. I do not think this is a good representation of. No, I agree. But well, which drugs are you guys talking about? Like smoking some weed or like doing ether? <laughs> it's a gateway ether, drug. Taking Tyler. lots of mescaline with acid. And Everybody knows that. Like they do everything under the sun. So. <laughs> Like, maybe this is, you know, a good, like, hey, don't go on a crazy <laughs> multi-drug, you know, binge. <laughs> hey, don't do acid while you're on the highway. <laughs> I think one of the things for me, like, when I think about, like, when I listen to a piece of music that isn't tonal, like, it doesn't have a key or whatever, you know, you need something else to give it structure. And I think that's, I was looking for a key. I was looking for a tonality in this thing. And there just wasn't that structure that I'm used to. And I, and I think, I think you summed it up really well. Uh, Devin just I just didn't know what to make of it but maybe it's unfair to sort of judge something like this you know up against like other other movies that have structure that we're more accustomed to I don't I don't know but like these I don't know would you call this an auteur film or not really or no no not at all well, no, because I think uh, auteur films are, are from a filmmaker's... But, but he didn't make the film. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Right? Like, yeah. one person something... would have had to have written and directed and done there all the There is something auteur about it, isn't there? No. Don't you think? No. <laughs> By definition, there's not. I don't know. Well, because, like, even the filmmaking was done, Terry Gilliam said, like, in a gonzo way, where, like, mo like sure. there were no reshoots. Okay. Everything was kind of done, like, one and done and, and I go. I just didn't like it then. Um, we're not tour, I think, would be, like, painstakingly taking their sweet-ass time, making every single scene and getting every single thing right. And it's got to be their vision and their direction. And they have a very singular idea that they want to get across, where this is an adaptation of someone else's kind of off-the-cuff craziness and the movie kind of is that too in the way it was done so it's almost an anti so i think what film. you're trying to say if i can try and read between the lines is i think you're trying to say that the sort of artistic vision yeah permeated throughout every part of the production i would say because it's such a different and iconoclastic approach to storytelling sure i'll agree that that it was unified yeah. in its approach whether or not that worked for you I, you know, mileage will vary. I hated it. <laughs> hey, do you guys want to know what we're doing next episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tyler, 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 what's what your pick? Doing next week? Tyler, Tyler, well, Tyler. I don't want to say Tyler. week next episode because like, I, don't, oh. I don't know what Two the frequency is. Right. Yeah. Let's do it tomorrow. Just fuck it. We'll do it we live. Do it. We'll do it we'll live. Do it. Let's record while we're watching it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Oh, that's a really oh, good idea for We're doing app, commentary tracks now, guys. That's a good idea. Okay, so when we start YouTube the channel. podcast, you guys, ready? Turn on the movie now. Okay, now we're all watching it. Alright, there's a lion. It roars. Okay, here we go. There's a lion. There's a lion, everybody. So, next episode, we're gonna do the Maltese Falcon. Oh, that's a good one. Oh. Never seen I haven't it. seen it, but I want to see it. 
Who's oh, the director? So it's, I don't know. <laughs> the director. I mean, I've said this multiple times on the podcast before, but the director is actually the antagonist in Chinatown. What? Yeah, Chinatown was such a reaction to um, noir films that, and Maltese Falcon is such like a um, reaction to no reaction to well, no. Maltese classic Falcon noir, came right? first. Yeah, it is classic noir. Oh, it's considered no like the pinnacle of noir. Um, and so when uh, Polanski was making his reaction, Chinatown, uh, he really wanted the antagonist to be the director of the most famous noir film, which was oh. Matthew Falcon. Uh, how about that? I know yeah, Humphrey right? Bogart's in it. That's kind of it. Oh, and uh, what's his face? Um, Peter Lorre is in it, I think. Right? Sure. I don't know. Why not? Whoever that is. He was in Casablanca. He was the goon that got shot in the beginning who had the tickets. The goon. Right. The guy with the, he had the kind of bigger yeah. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who uh ran from Ren and Stimpy is based off of the voice. Oh yeah. They all you told me Casablanca, that. And I think see how it keeps coming back. <laughs> Did we all hate it? I I liked it. I feel like I gave it a good review. No, I remember I gave I it a bad like review, it. and I think fondly, more fondly of it than I did at the time. I think yeah, I my memory great of it is that it was pretty okay. You yeah. gave it a five, babe. Did I? Yeah. That's pretty okay. That's the definition <laughs> of pretty okay. It's pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember enjoying it, but thinking like this could be a lot better if they showed more than just told. Like this was definitely supposed yeah. to be a play. Yeah. You know? That's right. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, Bastard. So that's what we're doing next week. What we did this week. Well, now let's not say week. Let's not say week. Episode. Episode. We're going to do the Maltese Falcon. Drugs. Now we're all just singing. It's all ruined. This whole section. We're all doing all four of us. Separate songs in two different households. I don't like it. Separate songs. I'm ending this. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm Goodbye, leaving. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Something? So long. <laughs>